Hello and welcome to episode two of F1 Track This. My name is Kriya Gangia and I'm super excited because today we're talking Saudi Arabia, the second race of the 2023 season, and it is going to get very interesting. Last week, we had these two guys on the show and we had so many positive comments. I just had to get them back. It's Matthew Kanai. He's a professional automotive and lifestyle content creator and Brent van der Skeef, who is an automotive and motorsport journalist and a GTI challenge race car driver. Guys, how's it going? It goes well. How are you? Very good, thanks. Brent, are you surviving after all your accidents last week? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am, but with a very heavy invoice attached to my name. So, yeah, okay, it's good to be back here, though. <laughs> it's one of the perks of being a race car driver, right, is the invoices that come with it afterwards. No, not, not if you're an unpaid driver who needs to finance everything yourself. <laughs> All right, let's leave the negativity in the past and let's move on to the positive things, which is, of course, um, Formula One. And one rumor I must start with, and I feel like I'm going to get completely ganged up on here, um, but is the fact that there's rumors that Lewis Hamilton might be leaving Mercedes or have contract negotiations or something, something. Let's start with the negative comments from Matthew. Look, I've been hearing a lot about this and I think the frustrations are building up from him being a seven-time champion, wanting the eight. He thought that the team would revolutionize with the new car. It didn't work out. And now they're going on to, you know, iteration two and it still has its problems and they're finding that the pace is not there compared to the last year's car. In fact, Lewis has gone on to say that the car is even slower, not even on par as last year's car. So the rumor mill is turning, but he has come out and stated that he will stay and fight for his eighth. But I don't think he would jump ship, especially considering his loyalty and how much Mercedes has done to him. I know Mm -hmm. the same can't be said about Vettel when he jumped to Ferrari. So I think if Lewis was to jump to a team that Ferrari is clearly the indication it's pointing to, it's a bit of a mistake because everybody can see that Ferrari are just plagued with other issues. <laughs> and you can get a, a very talented, uh, wonderful driver like Lewis, but it can't escape from the fact that strategy and communication is, is at play. But again, it's anyone's game. I mean, the, I keep hearing it, but I don't know. If he does jump ship, I mean, I'd then question his loyalty. Yeah, because Brent, he's been with the team since his karting days. Um, so for him, moving would literally be like a massive deal. Yeah, it would be, but I mean, I mean, that's also like a you know, like a Messi type story, you know, with Barcelona. Um, it, you know, loyalty gets you only so far, and at the end of the day, this is a business contract. And if uh, if in his contract, if if Mercedes is not giving him the car that he needs to win uh, a title, then you know that contract will dictate at the end of the day. So you know, we can remove the romance out of it. Um, and even when it comes down to the chat about him wanting to go to Ferrari, because when he started Ferrari. This being Lewis, um, it, 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 Ferrari was a very different team um, uh, compared to when Lewis uh, stepped into the frame. So uh, it's, it's, it's um, what he does is going to be quite interesting, and you know you can never rule out a complete change of of, of seats, specifically with Charles Leclerc, um, you know, firing the flares at, at Marinello, uh, issuing his discomfort. You know what? Um, I would can imagine that maybe he could be moving to Aston Martin with Fernando Alonso. I feel like that would make everybody's year. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out like the craziness of like a, a Perez out and a Hamilton in, or like a Charles Leclerc out to Mercedes, even you know type of thing. So anything can happen in this game, like what we've seen before in the past. It is a circus, <laughs> and has never <laughs> failed to entertain. So let's just watch the space. 
<laughs> Agreed. All right. So let's move away from rumors and let's move back to Bahrain. Obviously, great start to the 2023 season. And I think I'm going to start with the fact that last week on the show, Matthew was going on about the Bahrain curse. And then the man of the hour, his man of the hour, went on to win the race. <laughs> Matthew, what does this mean for you and your team? Look, I mean, the the Bahrain curse is yet to be lifted, but I don't think that Max or Red Bull have a chance of losing the championship this year. It's it's quite clear and evident amongst all the teams that that is an unbelievably strong evolution of RB18, that the 19 is unstoppable. The car is, it's just, it's something that amazes a lot of the teams and a lot of the people because... It's funny how the Mercedes fanboys are just throwing the stones at the glass house now saying, oh, well, it's boring, it's boring. Well, how did the other teams feel when it was done seven times in a row? So I, I personally think that it's going to be a dominant season. I do feel that Red Bull will have to tighten their belts because they've gotten comfortable with two championships. And I think they need to watch closely because Ferrari might pull something out the bag. There's Aston Martin looming for third or second place right now. So they they definitely have a chance for taking a a, a triple. Uh, that would be really great. But again, it's um it's yet to behold from the season because you know it's going to be the longest season of the year, and there's also track changes, so a lot can happen. But I still got faith in in my bad bulls, as I like to call them. <laughs> so, in other words, you're going to say that Red Bull is going to break some records and some curses. Of course, it's it's going to be triple. But again. I, I'm a very hardcore, dedicated Red Bull person since the cool Todd and Weber days. But I, I personally think that Red Bull also has the tendency to get a little bit too ahead of itself without looking at the competition. So while the car might be strong, you know, there's still developments and evolutions and upgrades that come for the cars. And the fact that half the Red Bull team um, who were part of the backbone went to Aston Martin and that's why their car is quite considerably competitive I think that there's nothing yet to kind of turn it down a bit. I think we still have to focus. But again, it's going on how things have been. I think there could be a lot of surprises. Brent, do you think it's going to be a tripler this year? Mm, I think it's going to be difficult for them um, to not do something positive. I'm not. It's too early in the season to call anything. Uh, It's the beginning. Um, they're riding on the ascendancy. I mean, everything is looking in their favor. Um, if you're into superstitions, the the Bahrain curse, you know, you can pick out a million correlations that you could then go and focus in on. Um, and, and yes, this is one that sticks out. But at the end of the day, motorsports always about a, a winning car, a great driver, and plenty of luck. Um, and everything looks in favor of of uh, Red Bull at the moment. And I mean, over the December period, yet. Adrian Newey um, driving his, uh, his uh, Porsche 356 around Monty Gardens and Camps Bay in Cape Town, chilling in his Avianas and shorts, like <laughs> not killing <doing> anything. <laughs> and that's got to say something in the confidence that he has in the team, you know. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the the kind of the shocker. We, we sort of expected it, but... I don't think that we, we were all like, yay, Aston Martin's going to do something. Woo! But we did not expect them to come out guns blazing like that, Brent. Mm, yeah, look, I mean, with the, with the testing, look, it, it looked like the Aston was a slippery character. Um, and uh, at the, at the, at the, the, the controls with, with uh, Alonso <laughs> behind the, on the wheel, it, 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 it looked even slipperier. And uh, it, everything looked like a great combination and, and, it, and it translated to that. So, Look, I'm I'm happy for them. I think I think for them to have made the the leap and bound, I think went beyond their expectations. Even 
Um, and, you know, to, to, to split a, a Mercedes team like the way that, you know, they did, it was just, it was quite impressive. And I think it left um, Merck with the tail in between the legs. So, you know, all, all, all hats off, kudos and, you know, well done. And let's, let's see where this thing goes. And I think seeing um, Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso fighting again was every um, Formula One or old school Formula One person's dream, Matthew. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, we, we forget that Lewis and Fernando and a couple of the other guys have been on the grid for such a long time. So what happens is so sad is when a team makes such a competitive car, whereas the rest of the field just get, you know, on the back marker. Whereas now you're seeing a sort of midfield car that's got the strength to fight with the Mercedes. No one will ever say that. But now you can actually see and, and ask those questions. Is it driver? Is it car? Is it both? Because when someone has the right tools, just like what Fernando has always wanted, he can really, really take the knife up to the throat and say, hey, listen, boys, I know you think we're not competitive, but look where we are now. So mm. it's great. It's great to see that. And I think what's good for the sport is besides all the stuff that's happening in the back door, I think what we can appreciate is that when someone is given the right tools and when they've got that drive, they can actually fight. And it's giving some of the other teams a chance to say, hey, look, we might not be where we are or where we want to be. But if, uh, you know, Aston Martin can do it and you get a talent like Alonso, who was supposed to be retired four decades ago, you know, it gives them <laughs> hope. So the likes of Alpine and McLaren and, you know, even uh, Haas and, and Williams, it kind of gives them hope to say, look, if, if we can, we can. We just have to keep chipping away at it. And that's what Aston did. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to give credit to where credit's due. And that move that, that, uh, that Alonso made on Hamilton in lap 38, uh, in, in a in a complex that you know you shouldn't be doing passes like that, um, Alonso disrespected him. <laughs> um, you know, diving on the inside, like on the exit. Look at it as a DRS section afterwards. So you would have got him anyway. But that was that was like old school Alonso, like real trench trench warfare, cutthroat type action, which we want to see. Um, so and and I think even Hamilton would have respected that. And he, and he tried the same move on science and science and uh, did de- de- defend it. So you gotta, you gotta really, really, really look at Lonzo and go like, yes, what Matthew said, he's got the right tools now. And now you're going to see this, the, the, the best of him, you know, like what we saw in the past. So yeah, it's, it's, it's teeing up to be a great season. Okay. Forgive me for what I'm about to say, but now that we've put out the fact that the right tools are there, are we finally going to see a performance from Lance Stroll? Because let's be serious, we've pretty much seen absolutely nothing of him since he entered Formula One, but now he's got a great car. Yeah, I, look, I mean, Lance Stroll, I think a lot of people don't give him the credit that, that he does deserve. I know that, um, you know, everyone always slates him for being the paid driver, um, you know, there, but he does demonstrate the ability. Uh, and look, you've got to look at his performance on on, on, um, on on race weekend and he was up against all odds. I mean, for him to turn around that that accident um, in in the matter of 12 days and to rock up there, you could see the guy was in pain um, and still to put it on there and, and, and you know, put a good display on, uh, even though right in the beginning he could have taken out his teammate and that could have been a different story for, for Aston Martin. Um, but I think that as his fitness improves and as he recovers, um, you're going to see the the very best of him. And if he can't make it with this car, then, you know, Aston Martin need to make a critical decision at the end of the year. And who knows? Look, I think what we also mustn't forget is, you know, to make it to F1, you kind of have to have some form of skill. So even though at 24... Or a daddy with a wallet. Ex- exactly. But even so, when, when you play that card where you say, yes, it is daddy's money, 
you know, your dad can throw you as much money as you want, but look at the look at your Lando Norris. I mean, cool. Also from daddy's money, but also worked his way up through F3. And the same thing with Stroll. Stroll did very well in his previous championship titles. We also forget he was F3 European Championship and he did the Toyota Racing Series. So, you know, for him to go from accident to actually driving with that kind of injury and to place where he did yeah. on Sunday two weeks ago, I think it's it's phenomenal. And it, you know what? We, we could always say, you know, it's unfair. It's, it's dad's money. But the fact is, he's in the sport and he's doing what he's doing. And compared to other drivers, you know, he does have the right car and obviously they have the right resources. But you've got to give credit. I mean, it, it takes a lot of talent to drive a Formula One car. Look at what happened to Nikita, Nikita Mazepin. Again, full of daddy's money and all conviction in the world to say, oh, well, my dad will get me there. Look at him. He did absolutely awful. And then you've got someone like Stroll in the same position, but he's become a lot more mature. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say he's, he's going to be there for podiums or potentially this year, but I think, you know, just to give him some credit, you know, besides all the flack he gets, I think he's a, he's a formula one driver. He is yeah. getting them points at the end of the year. So, I mean, you know, I think um, he's definitely one to watch and not to sleep <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's let's leave the spiciness in the past and let's move on to a less spicy topic, um, and that's Charles Leclerc. Brent, what happened to Ferrari? They were doing so well. We expected a great finish from them, and then towards the end of the race, obviously Leclerc out. Yeah. Look, I think uh, Leclerc unfortunately suffered. Um, you know, the, the 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 wrong end of of what's going on in Ferrari and. Even science displayed some really good um, form as well. And my prediction last week actually could have be- become a reality um, had he just kept it going all the way. But um, such is life. But you know, unfortunately for Charles at the moment, he is um, on the on the wrong end of of, a, of an internal battle. Um, you know, at Ferrari and things. I think everyone kind of assumed that with uh, Fred Vasseur moving over there, that he would be the new broom that sweeps clean. But you know, understanding that he's trying, he's shifting every single seat around there, and that's going to take time. Um, and despite whatever is happening behind closed doors there, he needs a lot of time to get that right. Whether or not Charles wants to sit around and wait for that, that's going <laughs> to be that's going to be something to watch. Um, because look, no driver wants to to DNF and, and and have reliability issues going forward. Look, we we said the exact same thing with Red Bull last year. They also struggled in the first race, um, and they came back strong. Obviously, they had a very different car, a very stronger car, and I can only imagine that you know Red Bull is going to want to. I mean, not Red Bull, Ferrari is going to want to push forward and, and move past this mistake and move past these reliability issues. Yeah, no, for sure. Look, they're going to have to. But, um, you know, like I said, I think the, the, the car is one thing, but I think what screams louder at the moment now are, are all the internal issues that they face, mm. um, you know, between uh, John Alkin and, uh, and uh, Fred Vasseur and, and, you know, all the other issues that are happening internally. So you can imagine that it's, it's quite a stormy sea there at the moment and they just need someone just to settle the, settle the ship, give Fred the control that he deserves um, and uh, let him take the reins and, and then hold him accountable. Uh, or they just need Lewis Hamilton moving over from Mercedes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say get uh, Danny Ricardo. Danny but... Ricardo. <laughs> I don't see go, that happening. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Daniel Ricardo is with the Red Bull, all right? We're fine with him being there, right, Matt? 
No, I'm I'm very happy, but the the chances of Lewis leaving, I think, let's just 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 let it go. Just Hamilton is he's pretty much like you know the Steven Gerrard of Liverpool. He's just gonna stay with that team. He's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But at least he's got people talking and people writing articles, right? Yeah, as long as the content is being made, then we're good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Saudi Arabia, right? So. Saudi Arabia, it's a great track. It's the fastest street track on the circuit. Um, but they've made a couple of safety changes, Matt. And this is very important um, because drivers weren't feeling safe on the track. And I mean, there's a lot of rookies on the circuit this year. What does that kind of look like in terms of the changes? Look, I mean, the drivers have always brought safety into it. And I think the speeds that the cars go around each year just brings into account that they are almost, you know, kissing the barriers. And I think that was you know, one was one of the things is because accidents, I think, for the team, um, it, it's a setback for everyone because you don't get to do your qualifying. You don't get to go into Q3, Q2, Q1. Um, but, you know, it was the thing is that people are need to take into consideration is that the track was designed for the 2021 car. So when you go into 2022, you know, it didn't really work out because, at, you know, at that end, all the curbs had been changed. There was decreased on angle on the backside. So a lot of that stuff has, has come into play. And especially with these cars, which are absolutely enormous, um, you know, it's, it's something that's supposedly small has become quite large. And I think now there's room for error, especially for the smaller teams who don't want to kind of have an oopsie. Mm. That comes into play. So I think, you know, it's maybe... You know, the theory is it's done because the sport wants to be more exciting or I don't think that people get, um, you know, the teams involved to say, hey, teams, what do you think of this track? But you know what? It's it's always been a lot of controversy around Jeddah. So the changes are they're quite lengthy um, and, and everything is put into place to make it more exciting for racing. And then everything is considered for driver afterwards. So. I will just have to wait and see. It's it's uh, it's going to be a true test of speed, so we'll be able to see a lot of the aero changes that's been done for the cars. But yeah, I mean, she's um, we'll have to see, especially for reduction in speed for turn twenty two and twenty three. Um, you know, that's going to make a big difference on it. But um, we'll, I guess we'll have to see because again, new cars, new rules. We'll have to see. You know what happens from there. Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes is pretty much our our next kind of cars we're looking at, Brent. Obviously, the Red Bulls are out there. They shine. We know that. The track might not be 100% suited to the Red Bull cars, but I think our f- core focus is now on Aston Martin, Ferrari, and Mercedes moving forward, especially in this particular race. Yeah, I think, I think definitely. Look, I mean, just going back to the track changes, I think you need to understand what this does to the dynamic of a race weekend. Uh, you know, they're talking about uh, throwing in those bevel cur- curbs along most of the corners, which is essentially a little five centimeter, um, you know, little sausage curve that sits at the apex of every corner. And as well as the um, the, the rumble lines they put on the corners of, uh, you know, uh, some of them, some of the corners. And, um, you know, you got to understand these cars are not compliant um, with those type of changes. And motorsport is dangerous at the end of the day. And it's, it's a high stakes, high reward. And guys are going to go and chase those risks. And those middle teams are going to go and chase. And Ferrari and and uh, Aston are going to use that to their advantage. And drivers like um, Fernando Alonso are going to exploit those things. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be a gamble. 
even more so than usual. Um, and it's just going to be a shakeup. And, and, and I, I think that the changes that are going to make great um, uh, effect for the race weekend. Um, and again, he who dares win. So we'll see, man. It could be a complete shift around in, in fortune. Looking at the rookies that are coming into the the season this year, obviously, these are the guys that we've been very excited to see race. They've raced on the circuit before. People like Nick DeFries, uh, Oscar Piastri. Are we a little bit worried? I mean, last year we saw Williams in a wall. We saw uh, Lando Norris having issues. Are we worried about the the rookies coming in this this year into this track, uh, Brent? Uh, look, I mean, they've done, they've they've driven these tracks before, um, and they would have done hours and hours and hours on the sim, and they 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 are paid professionals. That's the reason why they're there. That's the reason why they've earned their super license to be there. And um, they are not, you know, in a typical sense, a rookie. Call it that. So, uh, yeah. yes, there's going to be. The first time, um, you know, PSG. <laughs> I don't know who put it into the wall uh, for Williams, but I'm going to go with the Latifi. Um, of course, it was Nick Latifi. <laughs> <laughs> let's just discount that one completely. Um, but yes, there's always going to be that element. But again, these guys are professionals, um, and they are going to they they know what they're doing. So let's see, let's see. I mean, even the most experienced of of guys could put it into a wall, and it's been proven before. So it's it's just all part of motorsport. I just ask because you know that's obviously the typical question that's on everybody's mouths. I think I've read like four or five articles this week talking about the rookie drivers, if you want to, and I say that with doing uh, air quotes above my head at the moment, uh, coming into the season and fastest uh, circuit on the calendar, are they going to survive? <laughs> you know that clickbait stuff, right, Matthew? Yeah, look, I mean, it's all to drive headlines, but again, look, there's a lot to prove, and like Brent was saying, they are super licensed and they've got the training but we also need to consider something interesting was Logan Sargent went up to the pack and he's talking to uh, Ted Kravitz and he was talking about his major changes coming from F2 to F1 and one of the things that stood out was that at Bahrain in two weeks ago an F2 car is 40 seconds slower than the current gen 23 cars and if you put that into consideration yes they do sim and you can you know realistically put out conditions that would affect um, a real life car. Um, I think the rookies have a lot to prove because what we're starting to see, and, and I think what people will see is that the veterans are there for a reason for season development for the car, but also just to get consistency. The rookies aren't really used to these kind of conditions and real life car situations. And we can see it. Yes, they can have battles or they can super sub when someone was sick last year, but I still think that the rookies have a long way to go. They still have a lot of maturing to do inside the car, understanding battles um, and understanding just the whole flow of it. Because yes, rookies might have enormous talent, but I mean, look at Piastri compared to Ricardo. I mean, you know, you might say Piastri is a massive talent and everybody wanted him, but Piastri in that car that's technically built around Norris, you would expect him to be around Norris this time, but he wasn't even there. And the same mm. for Sargent. So uh, I think it just will take, you know, a little bit more seating time and they have to prove themselves because, you know, these rookies are going up against Alonso, who basically retired, drove a Hilux in the desert, came back and he's like, <laughs> well, boy, I'm back and I know you're 18 years old and so on. But yeah, I think headlines are headlines. But to be honest, I like my consistency. Like, I like the fact that you've got Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, you, comparing him to the rookies, you might say Shisu is out for the whole of the season and he's not used to an mm. F1 car. I mean, he's probably got a lot more talent than the younger guys just because he's matured enough to understand that he might not have the fastest car like the others, but 
he knows where to put the car and he knows he, he can do that in his maturity. And I think maybe Brent can add to that in terms of maturity of a racer versus young, hot talent in a fast car. That's always an interesting, it's always an interesting um, conversation, Matthew, because it's, it's like you, you might have that the drivers rated at maybe like a 99% like a, or 98%, like a Hulkenberg would fall into that category where they'd go out and bash consistent lap after consistent lap and they would be right there and they'd get lots of data out of the car. It would be so good. But then you look at like some aces that have stepped up, like a Vettel or a Ricardo who stepped up, you know, in those early formative years and they just knocked the lights out completely. So they were, they were, I would consider them to be like the absolute perfect drivers coming into it. Um, so it's, it's always an interesting one because it's just got that little edge. Um, but not every single rookie coming into it is going to have that and they need the time to prove whether they've got it or not. Well, let's just hope no one puts it in the wall this weekend, right? Oh, the chances of that happening are slim to none. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Mickey's not there. Or so the TV. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Let's hope for clean racing. <laughs> well, let's be serious. Okay, let's let's look at let's look at Jeddah in its totality. Being the fastest street track on the circuit, being night, being a new track in terms of changes, the chances of us seeing a safety car is definitely very high this weekend. And that is gonna massively play into team strategy, Matthew. Yeah, that, that is definitely a big one. And I think um it could either hinder, which we saw from the red mist of Ferrari. Um, or it can play to your advantage. And I think the the thing is, teams are running so many simulations. And I think personally that they're betting on the youngins binning it or clipping the curb to oh, spin out. And so they're going to rely on that to say, okay, cool, maybe we can undercut top three or top six. Um, so strategy is a huge, huge part. Also, tire strategy as well with the new compounds coming into play. Uh, night circuit with it being a little bit more cooler cars will run at a slightly lower temperature so it you know all those things will come into a very exciting thing but i i do feel we will get some red flags from the youngins just being a little bit too hot because again they didn't prove their worth in the first race so they're probably saying well if this is 30 kph <laughs> lower than last year maybe let's get ourselves um something to prove to our boss because I want to keep my job because we all watch DTS and we saw that, you know, the conversations around Mick, you know, he's a young, hot talent. He's got to show it. And every time he went to another race, he just said, I need to prove it. I need to prove it. I need to be better. And then like he did last year in Jeddah, he binned it. And that car was in two pieces, which was absolutely yeah. horrifying to see. So I I'm betting on a young and just trying to go a little bit too faster to prove his worth and costing the race and, and giving a surprise win for someone okay okay so um one of the other big things that we saw last year which i <laughs> i actually went back and i listened to our episode our second episode our third episode of of track this last year um and was it was actually i'm going to call it the marketing battle of 2022 because that one is was between esteban ocon and um fernando alonso where literally i think those two cars had the most amount of uh, TV time during that whole race was just the battle between Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso, right? <laughs> yeah, it was epic. It was epic. And, you know, I think any sponsor wants to see that. And, you know, I wish I could be in that position. But because uh, <laughs> uh, it's just 
further funds rolling in. But um, yeah, look, I think I think uh, you know we we might even see it again this year. And um, I think everyone uh, everyone is obviously putting Alonso you know in the front. But uh, yeah, perhaps maybe it is Stroll's turn this time to take it to Alonso. Um, and again, like he's got something to prove, so he's got the right car. And uh, and who knows, maybe. Maybe um, maybe Daddy Stroll's slipping something um, extra to Stroll's uh, engine <laughs> to make him a little bit quicker than Alonso. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Daddy Stroll. We talked. We spoke about this last week. Um, the three-year mark or the three-year strategy that they were going to have behind the Aston Martin team. This being year three and this seeing the results that they've put in off the work over the last couple of years, I would just do it. I'd just be like. Fernando Alonso and Ocon did this last year. Why don't we just do it with Stroll and Alonso again this year and just give the fans what they want, a whole lot of Aston Martin screen time. Yeah, but I think I think uh, I think if anything Stroll wants to be in front. So and, and so does Alonso. So I don't think you're going to have too many battles without those two t- coming together or, Damn or, it. or Alonso putting him Damn into it, the I was wall pushing you for an answer there Brent and you're not giving me the answer I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's about winning, Priya. It's about winning. <laughs> All right, so I think it's that time of the show where we got to talk predictions. Um, now, Avon was pretty spot on with his predictions last year. I am sitting on the top of our fantasy league. Thank you for coming uh, on Super Brew and on Formula One because I managed to score some massive points with Fernando Alonso. Matthew, let's start with you. What are your predictions? Look, I think um, if last week's proved anything, some people's upgrades and some people's cars did work. And then also the big surprise was having Leclerc bomb out because his car was much reliable. So I think people are going to make some hot changes. But again, you know what? Um, Consistency is king and the car's been reliable and it's on fire. So it's going to be Red Bull 1-2 for me. But then... I'm going to chuck in a Carlos Sainz for third because I I feel, look, I have faith in Alonso. I really do. But I think Ferrari will definitely would have done some things and preventative measures. And given how Leclerc is going to be all red-misted to kind of prove that he can be on top with a reliable car, I think Sainz is going to give him that run for his money because I think Ferrari are in that awkward phase of, Leclerc is always the golden boy and science doesn't get much time and science desperately wants a podium. So I think it's going to be Max Perez and science for number three. If not, I feel like the, the Astons are going to come and uh, swoop out the Mercedes because that's pretty much what everyone is seeing. The Astons are what the Mercedes should be. And that's not the case. So I think if anybody wants to make changes, I would say drop your Mercs and add in the the pink Mercedes, or this time it's the green Mercedes. <laughs> All right, Brent, you? Mm, okay, well, I'll give a contextual response there as well. So <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, obviously if a, if a step and uh, P1 is going to jet off into the distance and you know get to the shower before we else. Um, but then I'm going to mix it up and I'm going to say uh, Alonso P3. And I'm going to go for Science P2. I put Science P3 last time around. Um, and I was just, okay, I wasn't just short. I was actually off a little bit. But he, I, I think that um, I think that Perez is going to feel the pressure coming into this year after what happened to him last year at Jeddah. And, and, you know, and it, it, he needs, he's always got something to prove against against all Max. So, you know, anything can happen then. He could be the one touches the wall. Who knows? Um, so that's my prediction. Verstappen, Sainz, and Alonso. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, obviously, we're going with Max for a win here because, let's be serious, those Red Bulls are really good. Um, I'm a little bit torn because what would have happened, and maybe, Brent, you can give me your your 
advice on this one. What would have happened if Leclerc didn't have reliability issues? He would have finished third, right? Mm, can't say for certain, though. That's the thing. <laughs> It's, Why are you being uh, so diplomatic sport. today? <laughs> it's, it's not a sport. And, I mean, you know, uh, science struggled a little bit with the tires at the end. So, you know, and Charles Leclerc still needs to, you know, prove that consistency. I think he's proved himself as being a, you know, qualifying grandmaster at times in, in the past. But, you know, a lot needs to go right for for, for that for that guy right now. So, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that he would have ended off on a, on a podium. But uh, I think close to the about, yeah. Okay. All right. So let me redo my prediction then, because you just completely scrapped my theory out the window. It's your, um, it's your prediction. It's your prediction, Claire. It could be anything. You could you could put Piastri on if you wanted to. Mars, I'll be like, yeah. Carlos Sainz is gonna. I mean, um, uh, Perez is gonna get sick, and Danny Ricciardo is gonna come in, right? Yeah. Now, now, now it's wishful thinking. <laughs> All right. No. Here's my predictions. All right. So I'm gonna go with Max first. I'm going to go with Perez second, and then I'm going to put Charles Leclerc in third. Um, I just think that he's going to come back wanting to fight, and I know you guys are saying that his fight is going to be a little bit more negative and maybe not get up there. But I think when Leclerc sets his mind to something, he really pushes. If we look back a couple of years when he went into the wall in Azerbaijan uh, during qualifying, was it qualifying or practice? Either way. He went into the wall and came back and did fantastically well in that race. I just feel that he's got such a strong head on his shoulder that when he does actually put his mind to something, he pushes and he gets it out there. So I'm going Red Bull 1-2, which Matt, Matt will be very happy about, and then mm. uh, a Red Bull, I mean, a, a Ferrari of, of Charles Leclerc in third. Mm, that's that's not bad. That's uh, Look, I mean... I'd love to see Charles there, but to be honest, here's a hot take for you before you end this. I don't, I don't rate Charles. I think Charles, Charles is it for the Ferrari team, but I, I don't rate him there because, I mean, if, if he can just get some sense of maturity into him and not be frustrated and, I don't know, he's, just, he's plagued with things that I don't see him winning a championship with Ferrari. I feel like someone like Sainz might actually do a better job. Maybe that's just me, but... I just I I don't I don't rate it because look if you see Science and, and Lewis from the last race, Science was um only two seconds ahead of Lewis. So considering that ahead of him a second and a half more or less was your Leclerc, you know, he might have been given the bad deal of bad tires or strategy, whatever it may be for Ferrari. But I think given the right situation and conditions, I would rate Science over Leclerc. That's just me. Mm-mm-mm. Interesting, Matthew. Interesting. Awesome, Matthew. I'm not going to say that I, I, I agree on a couple of points there that Matthew made. I, I don't know about rating completely. Um, I do rate Charles Leclerc, whether or not he is the absolute, you know, like pinnacle of race car driver, like a Michael Schumacher was. I think he's he's it's, he hasn't proven it yet. So, and, and whatever the reason might be, if it's car strategy or whatever, it hasn't happened. So until it has, then yeah, it's it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't look that great at the moment. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, I hope he proves you guys wrong this weekend. <laughs> 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 that he's like, ha ha ha. No, it's not going to happen, Korea. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. But again, it's full of surprises. They might have made the circuit thirty kilometers an hour, like slower. But yes. we don't know. We'll have to. The dedicated will watch and we'll see. 
Yes, and we'll discuss it again next time out. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on F1 Track. This is always a pleasure. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to join us on our Fantasy League, then go and check out our website. It's f1trackthis.com. All the details are there. Um, but, Jens, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate your time.